Today's episode is brought to you by our friends at Soberlink. The Soberlink system is designed to make parenting time safer with real-time remote alcohol monitoring. Soberlink uniquely combines a breathalyzer with wireless connectivity and is the only system that includes facial recognition, tamper detection, and advanced reporting. Parents can submit a test anytime, anywhere, and have test results delivered automatically to the concerned parties. Simplify co-parenting arrangements by using the system that provides transparency and proof of sobriety throughout the day. Join the thousands of parents who are already benefiting from Soberlink by visiting www.soberlink.com backslash family law. For a limited time, get an exclusive $50 off your device by emailing info at soberlink.com and mentioning Divorce and Beyond. Coming up on today's episode of the Divorce and Beyond podcast. A night out at dinner with some friends, and we're talking about all the issues and things that come up in life and and families, and especially blended families and step families. And she said something. She goes, "Yeah, it's just like you're you're dealing with everything always." And we were like, Mike and I kind of looked at each other, and we were right at that point of what are we going to name our podcast that we're coming out with? And then that was it. We were like, everything always. Hello, and welcome to the Divorce and Beyond podcast. I'm Susan Guthrie, your host. As a top divorce attorney and family law mediator for 30 years, I know what you need to know to get through your divorce, and most importantly, how to move beyond it to thrive and transition to your new future. My experts and I are here to give you the insider view into the process, so listen in for the wisdom and expert information you need on your journey through divorce and beyond. Hello, and welcome to today's podcast. I am Susan Guthrie, your host, and today I have a new friend visiting me, and we're going to talk about a topic that's near and dear to my heart, and I was actually just telling her that I cannot believe in the couple of hundred episodes that I have done so far between my three podcasts, I have never done an episode on blended families. And as all of you who listen to me know, I am a stepmother or a bonus mother. I have step triplets or bonus triplets. Um, And so I'm very excited that we're going to talk about this. I met Summer Mulder um, recently on the Our Happy Divorce Facebook live stream when she and her husband, Mike, came on as our guests. And we were talking in that episode about blended families and moving forward in a better way, something that I'm very passionate about. And there was so much in Summer's story, Summer and Mike's story that resonated with me uh, that I immediately asked her to come on the show um, so that we can talk about it. So Summer, thank you so much for joining me today. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you for having me. Now, I do want to point out, you also have your own podcast. We were just talking about, I love interviewing podcasters. Um, Yours is called Everything Always Podcast, right? Yes. And we, in all of our episodes, we talk about blended families. (laughs) So we're going to touch on it here, but everybody, if you want to know a lot about blended families, go over to Everything Always, (laughs) the Everything Always podcast. And actually, let's start there because I think that's an interesting, I know we talked about this on the Facebook Live, but why did you name your podcast Everything Always? 
So we get that question a lot. And I would imagine. <laughs> it was, yeah. And it was so funny because we were just having this conversation and I think it was a night out at dinner with some friends and we're talking about all the issues and things that come up in life and, and families and especially blended families and step families. And she said something, she goes, yeah, it's just like, you're, you're dealing with everything always. And we were like, Mike and I kind of looked at each other and we were right at that point of what are we going to name our podcast that we're coming out with? And then that was it. We were like, everything always. <laughs> so there because you, go. you it's, And it's the perfect name when you know the genesis of it, because you really are dealing with everything always. Yes. Uh, and the, that's the thing with blended families. I told you I, I was doing some mad Googling before we got together to tape this because I realized I didn't really know the statistics behind blended families. And I was actually surprised to find out two statistics. One, the U.S census says that there are more step families than original families and that over 50% of the 60 million children under the age of 13 in this country are currently living with one biological parent and that parent's current partner, so a blended family. So why I haven't done a blended family episode, I don't know, because (laughs) if people are listening and they're going through a divorce, they are likely to either become a member of a blended family or they might right now be a part of a blended family that's that's ending or reconfiguring because um, sometimes you know sometimes people marry into a um, a partner who has children already and then unfortunately that marriage doesn't work so there's so many permutations to it so I'm so happy that we're doing this um, and I know you and Mike have been together for a number of years I think it's about 13 years right. Yeah. Yeah. So, and married going on four. So I guess we're three and a half years and it's, yeah, it's people always say, what took you so long? And really it was, I think, you know, every situation is, is different. Some people meet, they fall in love. They're married within months. Some are married within a year, blended family or not. And for us, it was, It was really about how is our family blending? It was also coming to the realization that, by the way, the perfect moment never comes (laughs) where everyone's just harmoniously getting along permanently. Um, Yeah. Yeah. It's like, no, you have moments that, that, that it feels that way. And then there are moments where it's just like, oh my gosh, this is so stressful. But for us, it was really like about the relationship first and how do we, how do we parent together? How can we come together in terms of house rules and viewpoints and bonding with the kids individually. And then really what, what changed was the kids coming to us and saying, well, when is this going to happen? <laughs> like, I mean, I remember our oldest, um, Mike's son was like, dad, when are you going to put a ring on it? And we talked about it, but it was just like, we're not in a super rush because we felt more married than when we had been married. We were more connected. We were like, we just kind of felt like, gosh, we can do this. Even though there are challenges, we've got a really strong foundation and that was the most important thing to us. So um, yeah, it took a long time, but I will tell you it was so, so worth it. And it's just, it, it didn't mean that we didn't love each other any less or, you know, the love just keeps growing. Yeah, well, and I actually think that's an important factor, maybe. Um, David, my husband and I were together for not 
quite as long as you and Mike before we got married, but we were together for six years, I think, before six or seven years because the kids were five when we met and they were 12 when we got married. And yeah. in some ways, I, I think waiting that period of time gave everybody a chance. We had some, you know, ups and downs um, and, and just some, some growing pains in learning how to be a blended family. Um, but by the time we did get married, and maybe you experienced this, and maybe it's um, like Mike's um, eldest saying, when are you going to put a ring on it? Uh, I noticed that my stepkids actually were more comfortable with things when I was, as they phrased it, a member, of, like a legal member of the family. Did that make a yeah. difference for your, for your family? It really did. And, you know, we thought, well, we're going to feel the same about each other. You know, we're going to love each other no matter what. But for us as a couple, we definitely felt like there was, there was definitely a, a more tightness. And I think it was also because of what the kids felt. So I remember um, my stepdaughter saying, well, now I officially have a sister and officially have another mom. And it was the sweetest thing. And it was the night that we got engaged. And it was like, well, we're all family. It was That was her viewpoint. And she went, so what do I call you now? Are you, do I call you Summer still? Do I call you, it's like, you can call me whatever you want. You're not, you know, it yeah. was kind of like, do I call you mom too? Are you, and you just call me whatever you want. But we're, we definitely, um, there was a certain officialness about, our family for sure. Yeah. And I liked it because it really was a very joyful and not forced occasion when we finally did get married. The kids were very much a part of everything. The wedding was actually very much planned around them um, and bringing the family together. And it really was a very joyful event for us all, um, which as we were going through the growing pains, it might not have been able to play out the same way if we had tried to do that. Um, And I notice a lot of people, you know, having been a divorce attorney for as long, I just, um, I was just telling someone today is the 31st anniversary of the day I held my hand up for the first time and swore to be, you know, swore the attorney's oath. So I've been doing this for a very long time. And, you know, I notice many people don't wait to, um, you know, to make the things official or uh, go through a remarriage or not move in together, whatever it might be. Um, and I'm not saying that's a key to success, but I think in my case, it helped. Um, yeah. And it sounds like it did in yours as well. Yeah, definitely. I, I, and the most important thing always is the relationship and, and that foundation, which we talk about a lot. You know, you Sometimes you learn, you're always going to be learning things and how to become stronger and, and better as a, as a couple and, and as a family. But there's so many things that you can do if you're just on that path of, okay, we're starting to blend. We're going to move in together. We're going to get engaged. We're going to get married, whatever that next step is. There's so many things that you can do prior to that to avoid a lot of drama and also just to be better equipped that when challenges and things happen, you can you can respond in a really great way instead of reacting 
with all this like stress and chaos and I don't know what to do. We're falling apart, you know, (laughs) which is also a reaction. I think I've had a few times. (laughs) Yes, we all have, right? (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. I don't think you can get into this situation uh, because it is convoluted. And actually let's, let's sort of step back to that. So when you and Mike met, what were your family configurations? So Mike had a son and a daughter, and they at the time were, I guess they were about five and three years old, my little. So we've been together for a long time. And then my son was three also, and then my daughter was a year old. So it was, and I I had lots of littles. I had divorced when I was pregnant. So that was when we met. And then we took our sweet time before, you know, just kind of hanging out then like, okay, let's, you know, casually meet somewhere. And the kids happen to be there too, with a bunch of other friends and people, you know, and see what happens with the kids. And we just took it, we took it really slow. And I think that neither of us were trying to rush anything quickly. And we both had kids as, as a priority and we wanted to make sure that they're, you know, they weren't experiencing a whole bunch of dating and new people. It was really, I mean, for for us, our four kids um, on our side really have only experienced us in terms of dating after divorce and relationship, and and we liked that, and that was something that was important to us. I'm not saying you can't, you know, it's horrible if you don't do that, but that was just something that was we liked, and I think that it was it was really nice for the kids too, um, and. We'd both been divorced, I would say, around the same, uh, maybe Mike was a little bit longer than I was, not much. And um, we were just kind of, you know, you're at that point after divorce, raising your kids on your own. <laughs> you're just questioning everything in terms of relationship. Do I want to get married again? What, you know, it just you know what it's like. <laughs> oh, I do. It's a lot. It's a, well, and I didn't have children of my own. I didn't have children with my ex. Yes. Um, but, but definitely still, you know, as a single female with just one little dog that I was responsible for to meet a guy with, you know, an ex-wife triplets, and, you know, all of that, I, I went through that same sort of thing. Like, wow, wait a minute. You know, this is a lot. Instant yeah. family. Um, and then there's that I, I you just mentioned, and, and this rings a bell for me as well, because we did the same. I, I wonder if every blended family does this. We did the bumping into each other with friends um, yep. and the kids happened to be there. So they met me. I was with my best friend at a a community fair and David came with his kids and, oh, hi, oh, there's Susan and Charissa, say hello. And, you know, it, that was the very first time I met the kids. They didn't know I, um, that David and I were dating until probably at least a year from that time. I mean, it was a, yeah. a, a, at least another year into the future. Uh, we had bumped into each other a few times, but um, not not doing. And I thought that was a a good way to do it. It gave the kids a chance to acclimate to me as a person. Absolutely. And not, you know, this new person in dad's life and their lives by reason of that. Right. Oh, for sure. I, that was, I I think it it definitely um, makes a, a huge difference. I think we were about probably the same, maybe it was a year or so in and, um, our oldest, you know, he was the one more perceptive just because he was older was kind of like, um, Hey dad, Summer seems really nice. You should date her. Is she, 
would she be your girlfriend? And asking like these certain, <laughs> he's like, oh, you think so? <laughs> well, I'm only going like, out with her because you said so. Yeah. <laughs> Well, that's a pretty so good option. Like there were times, you know, cause we would go out and then it was like, okay, now, um, we're all hanging out. Kids are asleep. We can hold hands now or whatever it was. But then it, you know, gradually you could start to hold hands while they were there and you're all on an outing and it just became more of like, okay, this is what's happening. But I think slow is good because at any age, um, it's, I, I would say it's, it's definitely a little bit more complicated as they're older. So for us having the kids, it was an advantage that they were younger. Um, and most of them, I don't know if even our oldest really remembers too much his parents being together, but most of the other three kids are just like, I mean, especially my daughter never knew my, my ex-husband and I together. So um, it made it a little bit easier, but at any age, it's always, I'm, I'm a fan of going slow. Yeah. No, I, I, and I, I've told clients that that is an aspect of of the show that I have had just about introducing new people to your children, because honestly, I have seen through my job and just in, in other people's lives, family members and um, friends where, you know, there is a tendency for us as human beings to crave connection after a relationship ends. And so many of us do have a, a, a propensity for jumping into new relationships. And it mm-hmm. feels really good because it's filling a hole in our lives, um, but it may not be filling a hole in our kids' lives and it may not be a permanent relationship or a relationship that has legs that's going to last. And so sometimes it's a little bit better to leave your kids out of that. Um, Definitely. Yeah. So but you so you, did, you two had an actual interesting... Um, Thing that was happening there for the two of you because your kids were meeting too at the same mm-hmm. time um, without knowing maybe that the two of you were dating. So how did they get along? Actually, so in the beginning, they really got along well. And it was kind of like, hey, are we going to see them this weekend? Or we want to see them again. And they got along really well because the I, I, the ages were were really similar. They were into the same things. So in the beginning, it was great. I think as we started to blend, our daughters always really got along. I think there was a short period of time once they were, it was that one's going into middle school, one is still in, uh, or one's going into, yeah, middle school, one's still in elementary school. And there's that kind of like, well, I'm older now. <laughs> You're, you know, I'm doing cooler things. But that was a yeah. really short short period of time and they're, they're ultra close right now. Our boys, that was the personality difference was pretty, they're very different. And while they liked the same things and could get along, once they started sharing a room, there were just things that weren't clicking. And that was what was extremely hard for me. And Mike would always be like, it's okay. They're going to get through this. This is temporary in the grand ski, in the big picture, they're going to get along. It's okay. And if they don't, it's okay. This is just regular sibling stuff. And I used to get so upset when they did fight and be upset that they were sharing a room. And I would be like, well, maybe, maybe we shouldn't be doing this at all. You know, this isn't fair to them. It was really, really hard. And I had really had, it was a struggle for me to see 
his perspective and say, you know, well, this is an opportunity for, for them to learn. You know, this is, this is life. These are things that happen. He might have, it might be that they were blood brothers and that <laughs> they just never got along. That can happen. And I started to think of it differently. And I was like, okay, and all we can do is be supportive and hear them out. And what can we do to make this easier for you? And then it was okay. Now we're at a place where it's like, we can all be, you know, having dinner and the boys will joke, boys, one of them's an adult now, but you know, they'll, they'll joke about, do you remember, you used to annoy me so bad. Do you remember that one time this, you remember that one time? And they're having those funny stories and joking around with each other. And it's like, oh, okay, we're here. We're here. This is good. <laughs> we made it. Well, that's, we made it. that's family, right? Yeah. Telling those family. stories, exactly. that's family, not blended family. I mean, I can tell you, uh, you know, the, the triplets are, um, I've always said they will fight like cat and dogs amongst themselves just don't ever take one of them on because if you take on one triplet, you're going to get all three triplets um, coming back at you, but that's sibling. So, but, so what did you do to help the boys? How did you support? You said you listened to them, but I'd be interested to hear, you know, do you think there were things that you did specifically? Cause I bet this is something that comes up more often than what you said, your daughter, the, your daughters got along um, so well. Oh, for sure. For sure. So a big thing for us was um, family meetings. And, you know, at the time, especially when they were younger, there was more time. As I got older, it was more like a week on week off type of a thing. But when they were younger, it would be like two days here, two days, you know, three days there, then three days here, two days there, but you know, all the different kinds of configurations. And so we had, what we started to do was say, okay, this is what seems to be really important is that two of the kids get alone time with just us where the other two aren't there. So let's try to coordinate that. Let's also try to coordinate it so that we have some time where it's just us as a couple. And then let's also make sure that we have the times where all of us are together so that we can continue to learn to be together and and get through these things. So when we would get together and it was all of us, we would do a family meeting and we would talk about certain things. We would, Mike and I would kind of run it and then it would be like, you know, pass the mic or pass the whatever it was. Okay, the talking it's your turn stick, to talk. Right? The talking yeah. stick, exactly. And let's talk about, you know, what are you, we'd have like certain bullet points. What are you frustrated about? What are you really happy about? Like, what do you give us some positive things about our, our whole family dynamic? And what's something that um, you would want to change and what's something you think you could do better? So we'd go through those things and it was really good. And I think, there were times where it was just like, I don't want to talk, you know, <laughs> I'm not talking, but then somebody else would talk and then that would turn into something. And then all of a sudden it was like, okay, we're, we're able to open up. And what we learned from that is that at the end of the day, I think the biggest frustrations for kids, especially comes from when they don't feel like they have a voice. They were put in a situation and they didn't have any say about it. And so what was important to us is that it was, oh, you get to have a say because this is your home too. You don't get to call all the shots because you're still a kid, (laughs) but you get to have a say and we want to hear what your feelings are. We want to help everybody through this. So if you need to talk to me, if you need to talk to your sibling, have a loan, you know, work it out. We, we tried not to do the, you know, you guys have to hug right now, hug it out, hug it out. We didn't (laughs) do that. It was more like... If we, we could tell if they needed space and then we could tell when it was time for us to step in. And then there were times where we were just like, you guys need to work this out, like without us stepping in. But the main thing I would say is a family meeting where they get to have a voice, but it's also talking about the positives, the negatives, and what you can do differently. I think that's 
absolutely brilliant having the family meeting. You know, I run a lot of committees and things and doing the, letting people have their say, letting people have their voice be heard is so important. But the other brilliant thing you did was ask them to name something positive. Yeah. Um, because it can be very easy in a meeting. We've all been there, right? Where the meeting like takes on that tone because it becomes a bitch fast or something yes. because one person starts it out. But if you make everybody say something good, you know, what's one good thing that's happening in your day? It can change the entire tone of things. So I, I really love that. I wish we'd done it. We did not. Um, and, and that I think probably led to more problems. Communication, I mean, it really comes down to communication is key in everything. Hello, listeners. I just want to thank everyone who has gone and already signed up to become members of the Divorce and Beyond members-only community. Those people who have signed up are already enjoying all of the exclusive benefits of membership, which include downloadable materials, the archive of the podcast, which is all ad-free. You get exclusive members-only podcast episodes, the Ask Susan Anything forum. And in fact, we've just uploaded a new answer to that. There's a monthly membership newsletter, and we're going to have videos, including the one that we just loaded from Dr. Kabeca from last week on getting your sexy back. So come on over to divorceandbeyondpod.com and join the community. It's only $10 a month, and we can't wait to welcome you there. Stay tuned for more from Susan and her guest, Summer Mulder, host of the Everything Always podcast with tips on how to blend your families. It was times when it was somebody else saying, oh, do you want to ask your parents? And then it would be like, she's not my mom, you know, from, and it wouldn't be necessarily from, just one of the kids would say that, you know, and I'd be like, and it's like, I know I'm not, and I'm not trying to be and and whatever, but you just kind of go, wow, you were really quick to say that. If you are enjoying this episode, check out One Year of COVID, handling difficult anniversaries with our friend, Dr. Elizabeth Cohen, the divorce doctor. What we have gone through in this world um, during this last year is a trauma. I've talked about it here before. It's an existential ongoing trauma where our lives are in danger and are in threat. And with any trauma, anniversaries, reminders, trigger intense reactions. And now we return to today's show. That's another thing that I wonder, you know, this is something that step parents hear fairly often at some point. I think I have heard it a few times. The you're not my mom. Yeah. Uh, did you did you ever get that? Yeah, there were times and it 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 stings you, especially as a step parent when you're like, but I love you, you know. There were times it wasn't I don't think I ever really got you're not my mom, so you can't tell me. I'm 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 lucky that I didn't really have um I didn't have a hard time connecting with with my stepkids. Like they're just like my kids, you know. Yeah. <laughs> but Yeah, well you've called them my our kids, my kids. Yeah, yeah. they're yeah, but I didn't really, and and there wasn't really, you know, attitude or horrible things happening. I mean, there's the occasional, like, I don't want to clean my room or whatever that is, but it was times when it was somebody else saying, oh, do you want to ask your parents? And then it would be like, she's not my mom, you know, from, and it wouldn't be necessarily from just one of the kids would say that, you know, and I'd be like, and it's like, I know I'm not, and I'm not trying to be and and whatever, but you just kind of go, wow, you were really quick to say that. (laughs) 
you like, you want to make sure that nobody knows. <laughs> that's exactly it, right? It's yeah, that they don't what, want that person to think that you're their mom. Exactly. <laughs> Yeah, and then you know it, it, and that's just stuff that was when when they were younger, and especially in in the in the first years of it. And I get it too because I could totally see being a kid myself. I mean, my parents are still married 50, 55 years, and but I can imagine being a kid and that happening. And as much as I might like this person, I'd just be like, no, but I like my mom. <laughs> that's my mom, you know. Yeah. So I I get it, and I think that's a big thing too is really putting yourself in their position, in their shoes. And that's something that we will talk about a lot because, and especially, I mean, you, you know this, and I think we talked about this on Our Happy Divorce, but like when people are talking negatively about their spouse in front of their kids or their ex-spouse, spouse. and it's like, look, you might be upset. You might have good reason to be upset. There's things that are just frustrating for you, but that's still their parent. And it just makes them feel bad when you're talking negatively about their parent. So don't do it. Yeah. I mean, kids <laughs> love their parents. And, That's right. You know, I've, I've said this and, and the phrase I always use, I think I got it from Ben, um, our happy divorce, but it's, you just got to suck it up. You do. Um, you don't have to respond to everything or put your opinion into the mix every time someone has something to say um, yeah. about or the ex behaves in a way that that maybe we would have preferred they did not. You know, it just that that's their mom. I've always said to the kids and to any to my husband and to anyone else um, that has has asked is. You know, the kids have two parents. I'm a bonus parent. I am someone who loves them very much and has always tried to do the best for them, but they have two parents. And so that's, those are their parents. I've always put myself in the benevolent aunt category. I, I talked about that too. Yeah. But because I'll do anything for them and I love them, but even sometimes when they've come to me for something, it's been appropriate in my mind, at least for me to say, that's, that's for your parents to decide. Yes. I'll weigh, I'll weigh in with your dad because I have, you know, I have, I have a sphere of influence there, but right. that is, a, that is something that you should be talking about with your parents. And that is something for them to decide. Yep. I totally agree. Totally agree. So, but we, so maybe you had, I think you did a little bit of a situation where the relationship with the other spouses, the ex-spouses, had its moments of rockiness. And that mm-hmm. sometimes permeates into your household as well. Um, yes. It's almost impossible for it not to. Um, and I know you guys had some good coping mechanisms for trying to deal with that. Yeah. Um, you know, and I think this happens even in the friendliest of divorces. I mean, even when, when you look at, um, you know, our happy divorce. (laughs) Nikki and Ben, you know, in the beginning there was, it's heated. It's, it's like, even if you're like, Hey, we're going to do this in the most friendly way. I mean, I started that way when, when I was going through my divorce, but as, as you start to go through it and the emotions, you ego is there. Ego is in it. And it's, and the hurt is so fresh. And, and there's so many things that you're like, well, wait a minute, that's not fair. And I thought we were going to be fair. And I thought this, and I thought that, and it's, it just gets extreme. And one thing I learned, and, and I'm really grateful for this because it was somebody, it was a friend that said to me this analogy. 
he said, look, there's going to be drama and, you know, he might get upset. Uh, somebody, anybody could get upset and just think of yourself as a lamppost, (laughs) just be the lamppost and just the birds are going to fly around. There's all this stuff that's going to happen. Just be the lamppost. And it was just that picture of going, okay, I have control. I can be calm. I don't need to get all, you know, riled up and spiral out of control. And I think I probably learned this lesson earlier than Mike, but it was a blessing because I, I was able to then help him with the things that I had learned in terms of let's eliminate the drama. Things are getting heated up. You're a responsible party here. What are you going to do to to not let this get out of control? Because when that happens, even if your kids aren't seeing it, they can feel it. There's just the feeling of stress and you're angry and, and all of that. And it's just not healthy. It's not good. And our biggest thing was don't engage. And it's not even to call people out and say, you're bad for having these emotions or anything like that. But what you can do, and you can't control what other people do, but what you can do on your side is control how you respond to something instead of just reacting, which we all often do. As soon as our ego is hit, we just react, react, and we want to say something mean back or do whatever we can because our ego is bruised and we want to protect our ego and feel better. But that doesn't actually accomplish anything. If you can just pause and and count to 10, take 10 deep breaths, do whatever you need to do. Maybe wait an entire day before you respond so that you are actually going to respond with something that's effective and actually moves the needle. Then it's going to be so much better for everyone involved. So the first thing was, you know, don't engage in stuff that doesn't involve the business of your children. And if you can keep those boundaries in terms of, hey, does this involve the children's health? Is there an emergency? Um, do we need to square off on finances? Do we need to talk about scheduling? Things like that and keep that calm, then you can actually be productive in your co-parenting relationship and eliminate so much drama. But often what happens is judgment comes in when you're not getting paid as much as you want to be paid or mean words are said when you were late picking up Susie or whatever, whatever happened, you know, it's, those are the things. And then it just becomes name calling and all these things. So we always say, just avoid all of that. And if, if you, Get there's even apps for this too, right? Like it, it can detect. You know this as as an attorney. Yeah. There's apps that will detect the tone. Hey, your tone isn't right here. <laughs> um, but like, is it is it? Hey, can you pick up the kids at this time? Yep, great. No, can't do it. Can do it. Whatever. Just the business of the kids. If it's something like you're such an a hole, you were late again. All you do is care about yourself and your time and blah 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 blah. And and the kids are are so. I can't believe that they have you as a father. I, it's the worst you're thing. The worst. You know, it's all, yeah. you're the worst. You're horrible. And I hope you rot in hell. I mean, like literally things like that happen. Those well, are the I times when you just, yeah, yeah, yeah. And those are the times to just be like, it absolutely does nothing good to respond to that. So you just ignore it. And oftentimes if business really needs to be handled, it will get handled because the person will come around and be like, okay, can I pick the kids up at three tomorrow? <laughs> you know, and it's like, all right, now I got to move on from this temper tantrum's done. But we all know once you engage more in a temper tantrum, the more that it's it's going to be fueled and gets out of control. And uh, pr- hardcore damage can be done in, in those heated moments. 
Oh, I mean, that conflict cycle, because when they come at you with the, you're such an a-hole because you picked up the kids late, I've seen those emails. Like, you're supposed to pick up Billy tomorrow at three. Do you think you can be on time this time, not like the past five times? And let me enumerate the past five times. You showed up six minutes late for Little League practice, and he was so embarrassed, he cried to the coat. I mean, I've seen those emails. Oh, yes, um, yes. You know, so my favorite part of everything that you said would be a lamppost. Right? Oh my God, that's perfect. I know. If you just have that visual, yeah. Yeah, keep your mouth shut and don't yes. respond. Um, and, and you're 100% right. You can only control your response to what is thrown at you. You can't stop that other person from all that spaghetti coming at you, but you can be the Teflon that it doesn't stick to. And exactly. you know, one of my favorite things is Bill Eddy's book, Biff, um, be brief, yes. informative, friendly, but firm. In fact, Bill's coming on, big big news, everyone. Bill's coming on because he's uh, revamped Biff just for co-parents. Um, a new edition of Biff is coming out and he's going to come on the show and we're going to do some examples of like how you should actually respond to certain emails that I've pulled together from some of my old files. So that'll be a fun ep- episode, everybody. <laughs> but that yeah. is genius. I love that. I love that oh, so much. he's the best, right? I mean, I, you know, I, I remember being a divorce attorney and just handing that little book out to clients as like yeah. candy. Um, and, and that is difficult. And, and the interesting part is that you were then able in your blended family to help Mike with it as well, right? So the, the, the knowledge and the benefit of that knowledge got to, to work through to help two families um, because yes. then it helps in dealing with the um, other co-parents as well. Because it can be a very difficult thing when you have more, you know, you have all these multiple families, I'll call it. You have mom's house, dad's house, mom's house, which is with dad's house, which is then dad's house. They may have new significant others. They may also have more blended children. They may also have more biological children that are now half siblings. And many times the houses have different rules and different guidelines. And that can be an issue. And did you guys face that as well? Because we certainly did. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And um, that was a big thing too. Not only, you know, coming together as a couple, you have different rules and different things that are important to you just when you were parenting on your own. And now you're coming together and creating new house rules together. Then you've got kids coming from, you know, especially for us, it was two kids from each side coming from different households and then coming back to our house. So there's always this readjustment period and I used to have, you know, guilt like, okay, well, these are what our rules are, but they, these two don't have to do this at their house. And these two don't have to do that at their house, or these two have to do, have more things going on at their house and not at this house. And in a perfect world, you would all be on the same page. Like, Hey, all co-parents involved, like Ben and Nikki probably do this. (laughs) Um, But you know, it's like, let's all be on the same page and at least have, you know, these similar rules for, for everyone, but that wasn't, it wasn't that way for us. Not at all. And I, it was frustrating. Mike and I were very much on the same page when it came to certain rules and consequences and here's what's going to happen. But the, it was very different Then it was just like, okay, this is going on here. And then this household over here has 
really not, not many rules at all. And again, it's not even judgment on that. It's just different. And then, but it causes frustration because for kids, it's frustrating because they're like, well, I can do whatever over here, but now you're telling me I can't hear or, oh, cool. I get to do more here than I got to do over there. And it's just, it's confusing for everyone involved. So the mindset we kind of had was not kind of, but had was like when a kid goes to school, different teachers have different rules in the classroom. And now the whole school might have, you know, here, here are the the rules of conduct. This is, this is how we operate here, but different classrooms will have different rules and you respect that teacher. If you go to a friend's house for a play date, some, some helps might say, um, Hey, um, Mrs. So-and-so says you have to take your shoes off when you come inside. Okay, great. So this house, you don't wear your shoes inside or you put your dishes in the sink. And maybe this house is like, we don't care. You know, it's, yeah. it, it's part of, it's actually, I think a good thing for kids because they're actually able to adapt easily to different situations. And we started to look at it that way. It's like, you know what? They're actually going to be more capable because of that, because they've got to, They've got to learn how to adapt from this place to this place and learn how to get through those, those frustrations and, and learn how to really kind of, what's the word, just be, be respectful of where you're at, even if it's different in different places. I hope that makes sense. <laughs> no, it actually makes perfect sense. And, and I think I agree um, with you because we would run into, I mean, some of them were big things. Some of them were little things, right? And they would be something, I mean, this is the silliest thing in the world, but like, I'm one of those people that believes the reason toilets have lids is you're supposed to put the lid down when you're done using it. And right. in other households, I know that's not as big a deal. Yeah. And, but we went through like a huge amount of back and forth on that. And, you know, one of the things I had to learn, honestly, is I had to lighten up on it. Um, you know, whatever, go in there and tap it and push it down if it's really that big a deal. But it also was things like, you know, whether the room was clean or whatever. And a therapist finally said to me, like, just don't go over to that side of the house. Just leave it <laughs> Oh, and I'm yeah. like, but what if there's something growing in a corner? And they're like, just let it go. It's so true. You start to learn what is really important and what's not. Now, when they're little and you're first blending, I think those things are so huge. I was the same. It was just kind of like, ah, oh, why so messy? Why the, the laundry basket's right there. I mean, you could just put it right there. And really the drawers, drawers should be closed. Why are they all open? Why are all the cabinets open in the kitchen? When you get a glass shut the cabinet, you know, things that I was just like, it's so easy. And I would get so frustrated and say, you know, these kids are going to be horrible adults. <laughs> They're not learning anything. Like, exactly. not, but you know, they, they grow and you start to realize, okay, this thing isn't that big of a deal. And we had, it's, it's so funny. I mean, we had back and forth things too. Like you guys make them make their bed every day. And that's ridiculous and so unimportant. And we were like, but we think making a bed every day is an important, good thing, you know? And that's just our thought on it. So it just started us thinking like, look, nothing is worse. Nothing is bad. I mean, there are bad things, but on the scale of things that are bad, it's not a horrible thing. It's just different. And kids are just going to naturally adapt to well, now I'm the kid, you know, we have kids that are just like, I make my bed every day. And then there's some in the family that are just like, still not going to do it. Yeah. <laughs> still going to put my laundry on, those on as the floor. Well. Yeah. Although I and will say the one who used to leave his room, it, well, wait, one of them still leaves his room like 
I just won't go in there. <laughs> but the other has turned into one of the neatest people that I know. Um, yeah. So you never know where they're going to end up. But but the I think the the other important part out of that was at least for me, and it sounds like you had a little touch of it. Is I had to learn to pick my battles. I had to learn that things weren't always going to be my way as, as well. Um, and you know, that there had to be a certain amount of give and take all the way around. Um, and that was an interesting experience for me. I would imagine it is for, you know, we get very set in how we do something and we think that's the way it's got to be done. So for everyone in a blended family, there are lessons to be learned and, um, maybe just a little softening up we all need to do in mm-hmm. order to make it work. But you guys have clearly made it work. Um, and and I love that you share it all um, in the, the um, Everything Always podcast. Now, one thing you did mention to me when we got started is you also have a free ebook for people. Um, how can they get that? Yes. So if you go to everythingalways.co, everythingalways.co, and if you just go to the page, it'll pop up. And you'll get a little pop-up that invites you to get the free ebook. You just pop in your email and then it'll send it right to you. Wonderful. Because I know I know our, our blended families out there are going to want a little more direction on this. But Summer, thank you so much for joining me for this episode. I loved getting to take a little bit of a dive and hearing that someone else had some of the experiences I had. Actually, even for me, who does this every day, makes me feel a little bit better. And in the end... One thing I'd like to say to everyone out there who's who's struggling in a, a blended family, the one of the best gifts I ever got in the world was was my bonus kids, and um, I I couldn't love them more if they were my own, and um, the relationships that I have with them today are among the most important relationships ever in my life. So it is worth learning to soften up and uh, be a lamppost at times. So, (laughs) um, and, and bring it all together. So thank you for sharing your experience with everyone. Thank you so much. This was so fun. It was, it was, we are going to have to do it again. Yes. (laughs) Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for joining me today on the Divorce and Beyond podcast. I hope you found some information and inspiration to help you on this journey. Please join me every Monday at 6 a.m. Eastern Standard Time for a new episode. And if you like the show, please take the time to subscribe and leave me a five-star review on iTunes. You can also find more information on the website at divorceandbeyondpod.com where you'll find links to the YouTube channel, transcripts of the episodes, and other bonus content. So I'll see you next week to help you move through your divorce and beyond.